All right, Lord willing, we'll finish James today. Last two verses, 19 and 20, but first go to 3 John. Two different passages to preface uh, this ending of the general epistle of James. 3 John. 3 John, there's only one chapter in verse 3 and 4. fact just to give you an idea and we'll see this in a moment James is going to speak to us about correcting or converting one who has erred from the truth strayed wandered here the apostle John writes for I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee even as thou walkest in the truth I have no greater joy, says John, than to hear that my children walk in truth. And so it was the apostles' joy. Uh, consequently, the pastor's dream. Second Timothy 2.15, it should rejoice us to see each other walking in truth. Second Timothy 2 and verse 15, this is the apostle Paul. So first we see John rejoicing that those believers to whom he ministered walked in the truth. And here, verse 15 of chapter 2, Paul says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman irreproachable, or a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. A workman, someone who is a student of the word, rightly dividing the word of truth. Then he says, But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word doth eat as a canker, means gangrene. If you look the Greek word up, it actually looks like the word gangrene. Their word, that is, of false teachers, shall eat it like a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus. And here he says, Who concerning the truth have erred saying that the resurrection is past already, and those that have erred from the truth, now they are overthrowing the faith of some. And so John rejoices that the people of God are walking in God's truth. Now Paul laments these two brethren who in all probability used to walk in the truth, but now they have erred, they have strayed. And now to James chapter 5 and verse 19. James 5, 19 and 20. Before in James 5, 16, I think I said the prerequisite to the beginning of chapter 5 and verse 16 is humility. We'll read from verse 16 to the end. To the end. Well, the prerequisite to doing what James 5, 19 and 20 speak to us as children of God, not just to pastors, but to every one of us, in this thing that James teaches us today, you are a minister. Each one of you in Christ, you are a workman. But look in verse 16. Confess your faults one to another. That takes humility. Remember that. We talked about that. To confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias is the example James uses. 
He was a man subject to like passions as we are. He was affected by the same feelings and the anxious fears. Everything that you go through, we want to put Elijah up there as a super prophet. And James is saying he had the same, he was subject to the same fears, emotions, passions that you are. And he prayed. It says he prayed earnestly. If you look it up, it actually means he prayed praying. He prayed praying. It says he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on a space on the earth for by a space of three years and six months. The Lord Jesus refers to this. And then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Our text for tonight, brethren, today rather, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. A man named Alexander Pope, a long time ago, he wrote in the 1700s, I believe, he wrote, to err is human. You've probably heard that. Well, the Apostle James writes here, to err from the truth is very dangerous to the soul. To err from the truth. It supposes that that one that has erred knew the truth. Remember the Apostle Paul rejoiced that the children of God were walking in the truth. Paul lamented that those had erred from the truth. Solomon in the Proverbs teaches us by the truth sell it not. To buy the truth, he doesn't mean purchase with money. He means own it. And listen, that's for every one of us, beloved, to own the truth, to know the truth, and then to believe what you know and to walk in that truth. And that's what Solomon's saying. Buy the truth and sell it not. Sell it not, meaning don't neglect the truth. Listen, if we would be kept from erring, we must know the truth. We must believe the truth. We must study as Paul wrote, to show ourselves approved unto God. You need to study you. doesn't matter if your church believes the truth if you don't. You, beloved, must engage God. You must own the truth that God teaches in his word. Now, James teaches us what should happen. He's not teaching us, I don't think, about a specific situation that happened, but he's closing out the letter and he's teaching them, listen, if this happens, this is what should happen. If anyone errs from the truth, and this is where you need to get engaged because this is not just for the pastor. This is for everyone. If any one of you, he said, do err from the truth. And so God intends to use you as an instrument in this ministry. Now, listen, I'm not, I don't think James is teaching that we go and put the binoculars on and go searching our brethren for their faults. He's not telling us to do that. But he's teaching us how to minister one to another. And we should minister to one to another, minister one to another in this thing. So God intends to use you as his instrument to help a brother or a sister who has begun to stray or to wander from the truth. Now, here's one caveat. I don't think James is teaching us about a truth, a small difference of opinion on a tertiary truth that has no eternal consequences. I don't think that's what James is saying. He's not saying that if there's 
He's not saying that there, there won't be little disagreements on small tertiary issues that are not of eternal consequences, but what James is talking about is if someone errs from a foundational doctrine of the faith, from the gospel of Jesus Christ, from the truth of your salvation into a damnable heresy. That's what James is speaking of here. In fact, look at 2 Peter. Just turn over to 2 Peter in chapter 2 and verse 1. <clears throat> Peter writes, But there were false prophets among the people. He's speaking in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. Even as there shall be false teachers among you who privily, that is, with subtlety. Randy's teaching us about Satan. Satan's work is done with subtlety. They will privily bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And they want to take you with them. And many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth is evil spoken of. And so we need to be very careful. And so we're warned about these false teachers. Look at 1 Timothy 1.18. Back up to 1 Timothy 1.18 to 20. In fact, Paul uses another name. He uses one name that we just read in 2 Timothy. He uses that same name and then a different second name. Now, I didn't study deep enough to find out if this is the same man. But suffice it to say, this man had erred from the truth. Notice in verse 18, 1 Timothy 1.18. This charge commit I unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before thee, <clears throat> that, thou, that thou by them, by these prophecies, by these truths, thou mightest war a good warfare. Holding faith means owning and possessing it, believing the faith. When you see the faith of Jesus Christ, when you see holding faith, he's talking not about something subjective. He's talking about the truth of the faith, the doctrine of the faith. So he says to Timothy, you need to hold the faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck. So made shipwreck means that Seems that they were afloat. Seems that they had the truth. They were professors of the truth. But now they have erred. They have, and here, they shipwrecked. And he says, of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander? Of course, I think that's Alexander the coppersmith, probably. Whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. And then verse 20 of chapter 6, same book, 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy, remember James is, he's teaching us about a brother or sister in Christ, a professing brother or, Christo, professing brother or sister in Christ who has now erred from the truth, who has erred. Verse 20, notice, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. Avoid profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so-called which some professing, in other words, they're professing that now, they have erred concerning the faith. See, the faith, the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, those doctrines of our salvation. Now, the question might be asked, you can turn back to James 5, you might be asking the question in your mind, is this one that erred from the truth 
lost or saved? Well, it seems to me that he or she is at least a professing Christian. They profess the truth because James wrote, they err from the truth. Or he says, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him. Listen, when we read something like that, when you read something like that in the word of God and that word you is used, you need to turn your finger around and say you, if any of you do err from the truth because that's what it's written to us, beloved. So to err from the truth, and I think you know what that is, it's to go astray. It's to wander from the truth of God's word, to wander from the gospel of your salvation. Listen, the Lord Jesus Christ warned us of the dangers of being led astray, of being deceived by false teachers in these last days. And listen, don't think that it can't happen to you. Don't think that it can't because it can. Listen, look at Matthew 24. The book of Matthew, this is the words of our Lord. He warned us about this. And it's interesting that James writes, and we'll see this in a moment, he says, if any of you you do err from the truth, in verse 20, he says, when that happens, then your ways are full full of error. In other words, he talks about them being converted from the error of their ways. So you err from the truth, from the truth of the gospel, from the truth of the word of God, then you will err in your ways. But look at what the Lord Jesus said in verse 3. He says, As he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately and saying, Tell us, when shall these be things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the age, the end of the world, the consummation of the age? And Jesus said here, and he uses that word you again, and he, he's talking to his apostles, so we need to take it like that. He said, take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And so, listen, we need to know what we believe. And listen, that's what the church's primary ministry is to the saints, that you might be built up in your faith for the work of the ministry, for the edification, the strengthening, the building up of the body of Christ, that you might not be tossed to and fro. But those that don't know their Bibles, if you don't know your Bibles, if you don't study it for yourself, if you don't attend the services of your local New Testament church, and I know most of you do, preaching to the choir, but you can't just come and not go back like a Berean and search it out for yourself. You need to be answer the, You need to be able to answer about the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You need to be able to answer it for yourself. You need to be able to tell people what you believe. Look at verse 11. He says, same chapter, and many false prophets shall rise and deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. See, abounding iniquity cools the love of the saints. And beloved, we need to keep it hot. And listen, you need to fight against it growing cold. You need to fight against your heart growing cold to the things of God. You You need to fight against that. You need to pray, help me, Father. Because 
When iniquity abounds, that's what it happens. It's going to cool. It's going to quench the fire of the Spirit. Listen, when God accepted a sacrifice, like the old Puritans, it says God fired the sacrifice. Like in Elijah, when that fire licked it up. And beloved, that needs to be us. Lord, beloved, our devotions need to be full of the fire of God. And so that God is hearing and accepting our worship. Look at 2 Corinthians 11, just a few more. 2 Corinthians 11, <clears throat> and there's more in Matthew 24, but for the sake of time. And again, Randy's teaching about Satan and his subtlety here. Paul talks to the Corinthian brethren. He says, but I fear, lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtleties, and listen, this is the caution and the warning to us so that he says, I fear that your minds would be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Beloved, we need to be so careful. He says, if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit which ye have not received, that is from us, or another gospel which ye have not accepted, he says, ye might well bear with him, and that might confuse you a little bit, but what Paul's telling them is, he's telling them, why do you tolerate this? They bore with these false teachers, and they should not have. Look at verse 13. He says, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ, and no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing that his ministers be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Now listen, <clears throat> and turn over to Second Peter. I want to read you one more thing. And this, Peter, Peter actually warns us about this same thing. And while you're turning there, I'll just remind you of what Proverbs 19, 27 says. The wise man says, cease, my son or my daughter, to hear words that cause you to err. Be so careful. And listen, we live in a day and an age where there's, there's podcast a million. And thousands upon thousands of people on TV and online that you can listen to. And while they might be saying some things that sound okay, you need to be so careful because as Randy preached recently, Satan's not coming in with a bang. He's coming in subtly. And he will, he will use these false teachers to deceive you. And before you know it, you will be erring from the truth. You will hear something that will sound good to your old man. And you will resist the truth. And so you need to be so careful. Look at what Peter wrote. He talks about the return of Christ in verse 13, chapter 3, 2 Peter. He says, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. An account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, 
in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable, that must not be us. Listen, when you see those words, you got to say, that can't be me. Because those that are unlearned and unstable, they're not rooted upon Christ. They pervert and twist the scriptures unto their own destruction. And he says, ye therefore, beloved, seeing that you know these things before, beware, lest you also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. You need to be so careful. Then he goes on to say, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Listen, this is why it is so important. It is imperatively important to know the scriptures and then to believe what you know. Know it and know why you believe it. Use the scripture to compare other scriptures. Use the word of God to interpret the word of God. Now look back. I'll show you this in Colossians chapter 1. It's so important that you are rooted and grounded upon Christ. Colossians 121. Remember we're talking about the danger of erring, of straying. Listen, Satan's got plenty of false teachers out there that will help you to err, to lead you astray. Peter just told us, be careful of being led astray and fall into the error of the wicked. Colossians 1.21, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight if you continue in the faith, the truth of the word of God. Notice, grounded and settled means stable and steadfast, means established. And be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. Listen, if anything would move you away from the hope of the gospel, the gospel needs to be primo in your minds. It needs to be first. Don't be led away with divers' doctrines, beloved, so that the gospel is not your first love. He says, which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature under heaven. And so, beloved, be so careful of erring from the faith, erring from the truth. But now, to what God has called each of us to do if the need arises. And listen, the need may arise. To convert one. For you to be the converter. The minister. The one that does the work. To reclaim and recover one that has erred from the truth. Or one that's beginning to err from the truth. The word convert literally means to turn back. Means to turn about. Means to cause to do an about face. From their error and to bring them back to the truth. And again, every one of you, from looking at you in your eyes and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, every one of you is called to this if the need arises. Every one of you, in your relationships, in the church and among your brethren, or somebody that you may know that doesn't go to the church and believes Christ, if you see them erring from the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ to which they once held to and they're erring into something that the scriptures don't teach, then you are to be the one to turn them back. 
You are to be the one to recover them, to reclaim them. This kind of begs the question, am I my brother's keeper? Am I my sister's keeper? You are. Indeed, you are. We all are to care for one another. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's to be in all of us, beloved. Look at Hebrews 3.12. Hebrews 3.12, just two passages. I, I think Randy read this the other day too. I might have been in your study, brother. <clears throat> he says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But here's the work that we do. This is why it's so important for you to not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. The next words, but exhort one another. And even more than on the Lord's day, daily. While it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. And so, Listen, you're not just to be an island unto yourself. You're not just to live your Christian life in your little cocoon and not do anything to help. You are to be a fellow minister, a fellow helper. Paul had those that encouraged him, that helped him. And beloved, you are called to do that if you're a child of God. It's not just the pastor's work. Hebrews 10.22 that's the other passage. We're about to get to the how-to. So first, there's those that may err from the truth. And then who's to get them back? Well, we, it's, it's, it's all of our Christian responsibility. It's to watch out for one another. It's to care for one another. <clears throat> Hebrews 10 and 22 says, Let us draw near with a true heart. In full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And here's the part, let us consider one another. Let us know one another. Let us discover one another. To provoke, to stir, and incite unto love and to good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. But exhorting one another. There it is again. And so much the more exhorting one another and encouraging one another. As you see the day approaching. And obviously I think he's talking about the return of Christ. So how do I do this? <clears throat> how do I turn my brother or sister from error back to the truth? Well, first, it's greatly helpful if you're grounded in the Word of God. Grounded in the Word of God. Second, Galatians 6. Galatians 6, how do you do this? <clears throat> do you rebuke them? Do you put them to shame? Do you belittle them? Do you drum them down? Sometimes that's how a rebuke might come. Let me just tell you that I was at work I was deployed actually and we were in a very tense situation on the on a on, it was it was it was a deployment uh in the Middle East. And I got really angry at one of my electricians. I remember his face. I remember his name. And he was just resisting me to every turn. And I basically I let him have it. Now I don't think I was wrong for letting him have it. 
But after that, he came to me and said, is that really the way a Christian should talk to somebody? Now, of course, you're in the military and you're thinking, you know, we're in the military. But, you know, it struck a chord with me. And I went back to him and I said, you know, Andy, that was his name, Andy. I said, you know, Andy, you're right. I could have said that differently. And I apologize. And he's one that, that he had no love for Christ or Christianity. But he did come back and he said, you know, I appreciated that, that Alicia said that. He's, he basically said it gives some credence to your Christianity, that it's real, not that he believed it. And so and Paul says, if you go to somebody, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, of course, he's talking about a fault here. Of course, if you're overtaken in a fault, the word means a side slip, means that you've tripped up. Um, if we behold somebody like that, here's the qualification. Ye which are spiritual, restore such an one. The word restore is like an orthopedic term. It's like setting a bone. Ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Or we might say, lest you also stray from the truth. And so here's the qualification. If you're going to do that, then pray and ask God to help you to do it with humility. Nobody likes to be rebuked with a finger in their face. And so we shouldn't as Christians. And so, beloved, that's one of the qualifications. Second Timothy 2, he says, you don't have to turn there. He says, the servant of the Lord must not strive. We shouldn't get in shouting matches with people. The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves because someone who's erring from the truth well they're in opposition to themselves and the truth instructing those that oppose themselves and the prayer is that God might give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth so they'd return to it and listen if God's going to use us beloved we need to be in our hearts and minds the spiritual ones we need to ask God and listen no I mean, listen, you might be thinking, oh, I'm not going to do that. Well, listen, God may have called you to do that. If you have a close friend and maybe you're the closest one to him, God may use you to be the converter. In fact, Psalm 141, verse 5, the psalmist says, Let the righteous smite me. It shall be a kindness. It shall be an excellent oil, which shall not break my head. And beloved, that needs to be us. And that's... The psalmist appreciated the reproof of someone who came to him with humility. And that, that's how we should be. So, beloved, when one errs, we need to, we need to be able to go the right way. First of, all, first of all, we need to realize that we're called to this and then we need to go the right way. And then James encourages us to this work in, in finishing up here. He says, take courage, child of God. Look at verse 20, the end of this. In James chapter 5 and verse 20. James writes, let him know, that is the one that did the converting, the one that went, let him know that he which converteth a sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide 
the multitude of sins. He's saying, take courage, child of God, and consider how God will use you to help a straying brother or sister. Listen, ultimately, God's got to do the work of changing them, but God's going to use you as the instrument, as the means. We need to see that. Might be in the case of a lost sinner to turn them about from their sins to Christ. But James is saying, look at the eternal worth the profit, the gain of this great work. A soul will be saved from eternal death and damnation. That's what James is saying. You say, well, wait a minute. I profess faith in Christ. If you draw back unto perdition, you didn't. And we need to remember the writer of Hebrews. Take heed that there be not in you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Listen, we all are professors of faith in Christ. Every one of us profess faith in Christ. You are not finally saved, and I am not finally saved, until we close our eyes in death and we hear those words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's when we're finally saved. Until that time, beloved, continue to profess, continue to hold on your way. He that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. And so that must be us, beloved. <clears throat> so a soul shall be saved from eternal death and damnation, and this, a multitude of sins will be covered. Think about that that God will use you to do that. And that's what he promises to do. Listen, God will use you, and God will use the love of Christ in you. Listen, I was thinking about this the other day. The more we are conformed to the image of Christ, you may be the only Christ that a lost sinner in the world ever knows or sees personally. Doesn't the Bible say we're being conformed to the image of Christ? Isn't Christ in us? And so that's what people should see, Christ in us. No, we're not Christ, but they should see Christ in us. Who would never take this and open it and read it? But they must see it in us. They must see his humility. They must see his meekness. They must see his love, his compassion. His willingness to go to them and say, I just got to tell you this, brother or sister. Beloved, that needs to be each of us. And finally, 1 Peter 4 and verse 7. 1 Peter 4, 7. Peter says, But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity, love in you, shall cover a multitude of sins. Rudolf Steer, an old commentator, wrote this. By his people, God works for the continual putting away of multitudes of sins, saving one soul after another from death. This is the work of love which his Holy Spirit has shed abroad in our hearts, in the hearts of his believing people. May this love never fail. So what a wonderful way to end 
the general epistle of James with this verse. Let him know that he which converteth a sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. That's glorious. Now listen, I know that God's the one that does the saving. But isn't it so amazing that God will use you? You'll be a participant in that. And we should be, beloved. And this is what James teaches us. Amen. Let's dismiss in prayer. Lord, we pray that, <clears throat> Father, you would please help us to be what we should be one for another. Lord, we don't want to be judging our brothers or sisters rashly. Father, we always want to have fervent charity among ourselves, to love one another. Lord, I think of that passage in Matthew 18 when we go to our brother who has a fault or perhaps who is erred and he returns, then we read those words, thou hast gained thy brother. Oh God, let us have a love for each other, a love for the souls of each other, oh God, that we might care one for another. Just as our Lord Jesus Christ cares for us. Help us, Heavenly Father, forgive us for our sins, forgive us where we have failed at this very thing. But help us, Father, not to be brutally honest when we have to talk to someone, but to be lovingly honest with humility and meekness, considering ourselves. If perhaps one day it might be us who have erred from the truth. Oh God, please have mercy upon us. Thank you so much, oh God for your blessings, your grace, for hearing our prayers. And we ask that you bless in the next hours, Brother Randy comes and opens the word to us. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.